You are listening to audio from the church at Junius Heights. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website, thechurchatjuniusheights.org. It's, it's almost like we don't need to preach a sermon. Uh, it, we were preaching and teaching the Word of God because that's what we do here, but man, their lives have already preached that sermon. The story of God's faithfulness has already told that story. What an example of a life well lived where the wind of God's Holy Spirit moves their feet in obedience to some adventure that they couldn't have imagined otherwise. This is the life of the believer, and we see in their lives the primary work and the purpose of the Christian. If you're a believer in Christ, this, some version of this, it may not be to Taiwan or Tibet or Indonesia or China or all over the world, but it is our story that we are obedient to follow the Lord, to be messengers who are sent with the, the message, the one message that trumps all messages. And so their story in their life reminds me of a million things in the scriptures, but one thing I heard from a, a pastor that's sort of an acquaintance named Warren Samuels, and this pastor, Warren Samuels, says that missions isn't a way of doing some things in the Christian life. Missions is the way of the Christian life. It's how we do everything is missions. I can't imagine a, a, a version of the word that's adventure or kingdom or mission without being sent. If you think about discovery explorations or entrepreneurial pursuits or, or anything that's like really matters in life, people are sent. There's like this internal conviction, this pushing that I've got to go and do this thing. Being on mission, a church on mission, as we are, we're a people sent not a people that are stuck or staying. We're a people that are moving forward with the gospel. And we're jumping back into our study on Acts. If you're gonna be here with us for the foreseeable future, for the next months or two months or maybe the whole year, we're gonna be in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts starts out in Acts chapter one, verse eight, and Jesus tells the disciples, he says, hey, everybody, listen up, come here, come here, come here. You, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, are going to be my witnesses. You're gonna be my witnesses of what you've seen and heard, what you've experienced, my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts starts us off with this reality, this picture, this, this replete through all of scripture storyline that we are people who are sent, not just sent, but sent to the nations, to the ends of the earth. And this isn't new, this is old. This is Old Testament old. This is back with Father Abraham, who had many sons, these old school Baptist folks, and many sons had. Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. If you're not a Christian or you don't know this, didn't grow up in the church, that story may be crazy, and that song may not make sense, but for those of us who grew up in the church back in the day, Father Abraham had many sons is a story that we know. Abraham, at the very beginning, was sent. He, the Lord said, leave and go to a land I will show you. And then we look at Father Abraham, and, and God says to Abraham, hey, I'm gonna bless not just that land that you're being sent to, I'm gonna bless all nations through you and your obedience. This idea of being sent to the nations is not new. The rescue of God's people out of slavery in Egypt, if you look at the plagues that play out, the reason that God is doing this is so that all nations can understand who he is. God rescued the Israelites and set them apart as a people 
that we're God's people so that the whole world would know what God is like. This is God's heart. Now, I don't know if you guys have, uh, know this passage, if you've been to a basketball game or a baseball game or a football game, somebody holds this sign up with a clown wig and looks crazy, and he says, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, he gave, he sent some translation say. God gave his only son, he sent him. Think about Christmas just a little bit ago and God's heart for the nations. Have you ever seen this? Who came to see baby Jesus in the manger? Who came that the stars led? Who was it? Shepherds and, yes, very much so, wise men. Where did they come from? The east. God brought the nations to himself at his first birthday party. Have you ever seen that in the scriptures? The heart for the nations is God's heart. And, and if God's people are God's people after his own heart, his heart is for the nations. This, the list of examples to make this clear is almost everywhere I look in scripture. From the woman at the well who was sent back to the people, from the shepherds who were sent back out declaring what God has done that, that Alex preached on a few weeks ago, we can't look enough places and see that God's heart for the nation is evident and that he has sent us into it. That's why it's in the Great Commission. That's why the Great Commission that Jesus says when he is resurrected and he sends his disciples out, he said, I'm sending you. Go ye therefore to all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've taught you to the nations. And so if we here are believers and we're Christians, what is so sad is that sometimes this idea of being sent to the nations is stuck to some sequester to some group. It's like a budget line item for other people that is part of somebody that does it somewhere else. And we'll talk about it once a year, but that's all we think about with regard to the nations. But we can't be a Christ follower and be a church and be a believer who doesn't think, this is God's heart, is it my heart? We can't be a church that thinks, I'm a believer, I'm a Christ follower, but is this my calling to the nations? Absolutely it is. The real purpose in life is to be a messenger of God sent all over the world with his message. And so we're gonna look quickly today at one passage that sort of galvanizes this and helps us to move into that space. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, please. Luke chapter 10. And if you don't have your Bibles and you need a Bible, you can put on our prayer card I'm praying that God would give me a Bible and he will miraculously answer that prayer through us as we buy you a Bible, okay? And so if you need a Bible, let us know. We'll get you a Bible. Luke chapter 10, verses one through 11. And I'm gonna read it. You don't need to stand for this. We've been standing and sitting a lot. But I want you to, in your heart, stand. In your heart, I want you to lean into the red letters of Christ and go, uh-oh, something is coming for me from the word of God and I'm gonna read it. And, and, and so, Lord, right now, as we read your word, would you... Meet us. Holy Spirit, right now, as we read the words that eternal and everlasting, would we receive from you? Starting in verse one in chapter 10 of Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse three, go your way. 
Behold, I'm sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter into, say first, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Verse nine, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they don't receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And skip down to verse 16. The one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. This is the word of God. Amen. If you want context for this, write down Luke 9. And then go home and read Luke 9 so you know what we're talking about in Luke 10. Because it says at the beginning of Luke 10, after this. After what? After Luke 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Go look at all of those, but particularly in chapter 9, because chapter 9 is where he sends out the disciples first. And then one chapter later, there are 72 more to send out. There's a, a multiplication that happens from 9 to 10, and lots of incredible things happen in 9. So go and read chapter 9, and then you'll see probably why the 12 turn into 72 in chapter 10. In verse 1, it says, in every town and place where he himself was about to go, he sends us. He sends them. He sends the disciples. And so there's a, a few very important things to know about the fact that Jesus sent them into the places that he was about to go. A few realities of a many we could look at, a few. Jesus already had plans. It was not an arbitrary, hey guys, I'm going to send you that away. Good luck and see where you go. He says, I'm going to send you the places I'm already about to go. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it looked like, but there's intentional strategy here. There's deliberateness in the sentness of God's people. And I don't know if he had a whiteboard, probably not. We have a new whiteboard now in the back upstairs. It's very nice. I don't know if he had a whiteboard. He probably had sand in the ground and drew a map with a stick and said, all right, you guys are gonna go here. And you guys are gonna go here. There was a plan and a strategy. Jesus is not arbitrary. Jesus had a plan. And if we are gonna be sent here, 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 and here, wherever it is, we gotta have a plan. So my question is, how do we know? How do we know where Jesus is about to go that he can send us into? How do we have any clue about that? If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 says that the temple of the living God is now us. And to summarize a very important passage in the scriptures, where is Jesus about to go? If you're in Christ Jesus, he is in you. And so where you're about to go, that's where he's going. This story of 
the cross of Christ, this idea that the temple is ours, in a huge fast summary, before Christ, everybody had to go to a place where God's spirit was. They had to go and bring sacrifices they could afford and they would cut those sacrifices and let them bleed out and then they would do these right certain things at certain times of the year to make sure they were right with God. But at the cross of Christ, this giant curtain that separated the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of God, and all of the people. A giant curtain. Don't think of your house and maybe having a, a big, long, skinny curtain with a rack and I had to buy the 84-inch one because my windows are so long. That's not how big the curtain was. The curtain was three feet thick. Can anyone here rip open a phone book with their bare hands? How about like 20 sheets of paper? Give that one a run. The curtain woven with golden threads was torn in two and the presence of God was now accessible to the people of God at the cross of Christ. The sin that we deserve, that we, that we have, he has taken on himself and killed that division by killing himself. We have access to him. So the spirit of God lives in us, the new temple, that not there anymore, right here. And wherever we're going, where's Jesus going? Wherever we're going, that's where Jesus is going. So the plan, your strategy of being sent is not that complicated. God has made it super easy for the Christian to go, God, where do you want me to go today and share the gospel? Well, where am I going today? Do you go to work? Yes. Well, then that's where Jesus is going ahead of you and you're sent to. Are you going to go home? Yes. That's where Jesus is going, where you're sent to. Are you going to go to the same Starbucks because you just have this strange need for coffee every morning right at the same time before work? If you're going to go there, where has he sent you? There. Because that's where you're going. Are you going home for Thanksgiving? Yes, I am. Look at your calendar. If you want to know where Jesus is going now, like the scripture says that we can be sent to as sent people, look at your calendar. Wherever you are going, he is going with us. And, and it means a lot when you think about it, how strategic that is. He has a plan, one that is heavily involved with your life and my life. One that he's thought through and thought, you know what, who's the best person Who's the best person to send to this IT job at this one hospital? Who's the best doctor I could possibly put in that direction? Who's the best teacher? Who's the best mom? Who could I send to these people? Oh, your name. How humbling is that? How meaningful is that? How much does that connect back to that place where Jesus is writing in the sand with these 12, these 72 going, hey, this is where I'm gonna send you. I'm going here, I want you to go there, you to go there, you to go there. That's what he's doing here in our church. Verse three, verse three, it said, go your way. Each person had an individual way. And so here's what, here's what I wanna like let you grab. If God's called us to the nations, if he's called us to go to unreached people groups across the globe, well, if he's called us there, he's gonna get our neighbors on the way. And so whatever your way is, verse three in chapter 10, go your way, whatever your way is, if we don't move towards our neighbors, we're not gonna to go to the nations. If we can't share the gospel with somebody here across the street in our workplace, we're not gonna to go to other places that are off, off the grid. And so when we go to our neighbors, we're on the way to the nation. So, this was like a dry run. What Jesus did with the 72 and the 12 is like a dry run that what happened in Acts when the Holy Spirit came. And it's a, it was a dry run for the believers to look and go, this is how it went. So how did it go? How did God send them? Well, they had their own way. Look at verse five. When he went and they, he sent them out, 72, they, they were sent out with a very clear starting message. Go your way, 
Gave them some specifics about packing that we don't need to get into because none of you are packing more than one pair of sandals when you go to work anyway. So we can skip that and move to the place where it says, whatever your house that you went into, enter with peace, say peace. So how did he go? There are four real particular ways that he sent people out. First, in peace. You get to carry this thing that the world needs. You get to go with God. We get to go and say, the peace of Christ be with you. We're looking for places that peace will land securely and safely. We're coming to offer that and to test that and to see that. And so how do we go? We're just looking for places of peace. We had a a training yesterday that we're gonna bring back again. If you missed it because you had scheduling and and I told you four days in advance, we're having a, a training for evangelism. We still had some folks that came and we got to talk about how do we move forward with peace? How do we move and be sent with peace? Well, we look for places that God's already prepared. We're trying to be sensitive to the spots where conversation flows easily and friendship exists, that we've, where we have been sent, there's already this rhythm, and so God just goes, here you go, it's teed up. This person, talk to them. How do we go? We're looking for places where it's, it's peaceful and seems clear that when we offer what we know about Christ, it's not rejected. When they accept the messenger, that's the first step into receiving the message. And so we go in peace, Second part of it, how did they go? How did they get there? If we want tactical ways to be sent, how'd they go? They ate and drank with people outside of the kingdom as if they were family. Remember in the scriptures in verse five, when you land in a house, eat whatever they give to you, drink whatever they give to you. It's so familial, this picture of eating dinner around a table. And we've way overcomplicated being sent to the nations. We don't even go to our neighbor's house and have dinner. Having folks over and being together, it's not so pressurized. And for us to know that we're sent and we're sent out, let's start with just having dinner with folks, breaking bread. And whatever the people are eating and drinking, let's have dinner and be like family with people who are outside the family. It's it's the easiest progression when they love and trust and want to be in your living room to want to hear about what you know to be true about God. But they don't want to be in your living room. Why would they want to know what you think about God? Verse Nine, look at verse nine, because this is when it gets a little bit crazy. How did the people get sent to the nations? Verse nine, they were sent, and Jesus tells them, heal the sick. How does that feel as far as a reality for us in this room today? Heal the sick. Yeah, it's, it's like you're imagining these 72 went to different towns, and where their sick people were, they laid hands on them and asked for God to heal them, just like Jesus did. And maybe, maybe you come from a background where you think that's still alive and well, that God has the power to do that. And maybe you don't. But I'm reading in the text, and I know people around the world who think this is very real and accurate. In this training we did the other day, I heard a story about a 24-year-old. Raise your hand. This is probably not a good idea. If you're over 24. That's a big group. Over 24. All right. Very good. So everybody's included. It wasn't that bad. Uh, 24-year-old missionary female got a phone call. This is in the States. Got a phone call that was a wrong number. The phone call that was a wrong number, she said, nope, this is not so-and-so. Sorry, no problem. And it was a woman on the other end of the line. She hangs up the phone as she's driving and she hears God just say, you need to call her back. And he's like, no, Lord, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. No, you need to call her back. Nope, mm-mm, I don't, that sounds like insanity. But she just felt like maybe this person was sick. 
So she's 24, she's driving down the road and she's like, okay, fine. And so she calls back a wrong number call and says, hey, so-and-so, this is so-and-so, you just accidentally called. Um, I feel like God told me to call you back. We can all say that sounds a little crazy. Can we agree? Just head nods like this is, this is nuts. Well, people in the Bible are always considered to be people who are kind of nuts, all right? She said, I feel like God said that you are sick. Are you, are you hurting in any way? And the woman said, I'm fine, leave me alone, I'm good. Uh, just real quick, I feel like God told me, are you hurting? And they got silent on the phone and this wrong number person said, yep, my joints are aching really bad. Well, the person on the phone, this young missionary, 24 year old said, can I pray for you? Sure. Prayed for her on the phone, how do you feel? I'm fine. No, 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 no. How do you feel? Silence. My joints don't hurt anymore. And then in that moment, on the phone, that woman comes to Christ. He has sent us with healing hands and maybe our faith is in a space or maybe our gifting is in a space where we're not gonna lay hands, but we got some doctors in here that do the work of healing. And, and if you're not a doctor, the book of Proverbs talks about some sickness. Anxiety is a sickness that kind words lift up. Proverbs 12 a cheerful heart is good medicine. Joy brought to a place in Proverbs 17 brings healing. So while we can lay hands and we can have the power of God to do this thing that God has sent us onto, we can do it in different ways too. We can pray and bring words of healing and joy and kindness and bless and it brings people who are low up. It takes our hearts that are crushed with hope. Well, what, should, what, what words should we say by the power of God if we're not gonna feel like we can heal people with our hands and with the Holy Spirit? What, what, what words should we say that are healing? Well, verse 11, he tells us how we should go to the nations one neighbor at a time. Verse 11, he says, tell them nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. This phrase is so quickly worked over in the text, it's easily missed, but this phrase is essential for healing bones in a crushed spirit if you think that this world is all there is and this world is tragic. If you feel like your sickness or your circumstance is crushing you, where you don't wanna stay, you don't wanna live, you feel like, ah, oh, I just wanna get out of this place. If you, if you feel like this problem will never get solved, the money will never be there. The problem never gets solved. The relationships are never gonna reconcile. Whatever the thing is that is crushing you, what heals more, hope or hopelessness? What heals more, the promise that this life isn't all there is or some Advil or a couple of alcoholic beverages? What heals more? The kingdom of God has come near is what the scriptures say. Hey, this is not all there is. You're right this close to having the healing that you're looking for. You're right this close to having all your tears wiped away. You're right this close, just a few more years, just 40 more years and then eternity is yours. What else do you want people to, to know to heal them? This, the kingdom of God has come and, and your hope can be anchored secure. Your joy can be unending in the midst of your pain and suffering. The kingdom of God has come near. God has given us in this really short text, this is what it means to be sent. And this is how you do it and who you go to. 
But I had this question as I'm processing, like, why? Why did they actually go? What was the, what was the root reason for their going? What was the root reason for Bud and Robin being sent? How do they know, these 72, that this life was right for them? How do they know this was the, the right move to move into this neighborhood 25 years ago when you heard that little line where the gangs were intense? People don't do that kind of stuff. Why did they know? How did they know? Their lives were lived in a responsive worship. They saw him. They knew him. These 72 heard from the 12. They knew who he was. He was compelling and true and right. And so they just said, you're the one. My whole life is yours. I will worship you. I'll give you all my time, my resources, my talents, my comfort, my plans. They're all yours. Whatever you need, I'm in. So you want me to don't take sandals, go to strangers' houses and have dinner with them. Okay, they're obedient because they're worshipful. And, and the measure of our obedience is easily correlated with the measure of our worship. If we worship him and think of him as the glorious one who was sent from God the Father that came and rescued us and took away all of our sin at the cross, if he's the one that has done that, well, then we can worship in obedience and do crazy things like move overseas, move to the hood, give all of our money away, change jobs, say yes to hard conversations, to go places we would never have gone, whatever that is, we can do that because we're worshipers. We know who he is and we're gonna give our lives to him. Can we imagine for a second how different this conversation would have been if the guys and gals, the 72, were like, I don't know, Jesus. You wanna go where? Actually, I think I'm gonna stay right here. I'm gonna, I'm, it's gonna be good. I'm gonna do my best here to, to like be good for you, but I'm not gonna go anywhere. What would that dialogue in the text look like? What would, what would be different about Luke chapter 10 if they said, no, nah, no, nah, we're fine, that's cool? Well, it would be written, well, Jesus asked 72 to go, but only 14 went. No, oh, we had worshipers who knew him 72 deep, and they all went. I think when I imagine what it would have been like in the text if they didn't go is my mind immediately jumped to, it might be like the lot of churches in America. What would the scripture read like differently? It might read like a lot of churches in America. We're just gonna stay right here and kind of do our thing, Jesus. We're not gonna go. That's not every church, but there's a lot of churches in America that just sort of, no, we're gonna stay right here inside our safe, comfortable place. And the scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians that we're not evangelical Christians, we're ambassadors. And so often in our culture, we're kind of grouped by, are you an evangelical or not? I am, but not publicly acceptable to say that, so sort of a, maybe. Who? Ambassadors ambassadors. He's called us to be ambassadors, people that get to go to other countries and represent the other country we came from, people from another place, another planet. We're designed for another reality, and we get to be the ambassadors that go to those people and go, no, no, I'm not an evangelical Christian like you think it. I'm an evangel I'm a, I'm evangelical. I'm evangelist. I'm evangelizing you. There's a massive chasm between evangelical Christians and evangelists. 
evangelical Christians and ambassadors, but God has given us a new identity in Christ Jesus. We get to be the voices that witness, that testify who he is and say, hey, uh, you're sick. I know the one who can heal you. He might do it in 40 years or 60 years when you go home. He might do it right now, but he will do it. Do you want to know him? This is how he's done it for me. Do you want to know him? We get to do that, that one little micro little bit. We, I just said, we can do that with everybody we see, wherever he sends us, everywhere we go. That's where he's going. We get to say that, do that, be that. And it takes 30 seconds to be a witness. Isaiah, in chapter six, if you wanna write it down or go look at it later on, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Saw him, fell down in worship. And then in verse eight, of chapter six, I heard the voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And then God sends him out with a message so they would turn and be healed in verse 10. So in your notes, if you took one of those bulletins in your notes, the last question is, where is our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? And that's not a, a, a place in your notes just to sort of leave blank. It's not rhetorical. I'm asking you if you can write to look at that question and say, who is my Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, where is that at? And write that down. Because as soon as we write it down, it, it becomes real. And some of you may be thinking, oh, I got an ends of the earth one I don't want to write down. Like there may be an ends of the earth space that I just can't stop thinking about. And maybe you write that country down. The Holy Spirit's doing something in this moment. And so you just write down whatever that is. Take a pen. Think about it all night. Do it right this second. And it could be your family. It could be my living room that I've not gone in with the message of testimony and witness. It could be my, my neighbors. It could be my school. It could be the, my teachers, my kids' teacher. I don't know. Write down what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is my today because our, 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 nation, our, national, our national effort for the kingdom starts with our neighbors. And we start there. We'll take these steps. And all of a sudden, we got a church full of international missionaries. There, there are 5,000, uh, maybe 4,000 right now, unreached people groups in the world left. Whole populations of humans that have never heard the gospel. Maybe 4,000. I think there are 4,000 churches in DFW. So what if every church knew that, every church said, yeah, that's the people group we're going to and leveraged all of their resources to go to that people group. Some of my friends think that if that happened, that's, that's when the return of Christ comes and all the healing that we've been talking about ultimately comes. And so maybe that's your heart. You're thinking all the way across the ocean. Maybe you're just thinking right now, I got a neighbor who's broken and needs healing. Well, you've been given the mission. You've been given the how. You've been given the words to say. You know where you're supposed to go. Will you be Isaiah? Will I be Isaiah? Will I say, here I am, Lord, send me? This is the question that the church will have to answer or the church becomes progressively more irrelevant. Here I am, Lord, send me. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine will be my concluding scripture to read. I'm just gonna read it. And I hope you imagine 
that space, that moment, and then ask yourself the question, am I participating in that moment? After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, all clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures that Isaiah saw, and they all fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped, amen, 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 blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. That will be the scene at the end. And we'll either be a part of that or we won't. We are people sent to the nations. Come on. Find purpose and meaning and hope. Come on. Let's go. Lord Jesus. Man. It seems so big and yet at the same time, you've made it so simple. Worship you. Obey you. And all of, all of the world will know how good you are. If we will worship you and obey you, then so, Lord, maybe we don't know you. Maybe we're not sure of who you are and why you're so good to be worshiped. Lord, would you meet us in those places of confusion, of doubt, of fear? Would you meet us in those places and would you set us free to be worshipers who are sent wherever you send us, wherever we're going? God, would you do that? So I, I pray for my friends in this room and the, and the guests. Lord, would you stir something up inside of us that, that makes our lives matter for eternity. Would you, would you send us? And so God, here we are, Lord, send us. We, we need you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.